what's up people it's brianna basell from the affluent and black podcast uh today we have a special special guest uh calvin russell uh he's gonna talk about everything real estate and real estate investing like this man just knows everything right he's the ceo of park place realty and the 850 club so calvin what's up how are you good good all right living it up so tell the audience who you are what you do Sure. And, you know, kind of like your upbringing, how you got started with everything, the 850 Club, Park Place Realty. You have a lot under your belt. A little bit. A little bit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's not a problem at all. Well, first off, I want to say thank you for um, inviting me. I know I'm not the only person you know in this industry, uh, so I greatly appreciate the invite. So, um, but yeah, so my name is Calvin Russell. Uh, I am the co-owner of Park Place Realty. My wife is, of course, my other half. So she, nice. um, you know, keeps everything in line. Uh, you know, with Park Place Realty and uh, it's a brokerage that we started back in 2020. Um, I've had my real estate license since uh, the end of 2017. So I like to say 2018. So sounds better. Mm. Uh, but either way, got my real estate license then. But well prior to that, um, I'll go back into 20. I'll go back into when I started at the dealership. Um, I worked at a dealership uh, for six years and that was really my introduction to credit. Um I was an advocate, not necessarily about credit, but really just an advocate, just trying to help people. The problem was at the dealership was that a lot of people would come into the dealership and about 70 percent of people that go into dealerships actually don't get approved. And it's a staggering number. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so typically what people do, they go to the dealership. And, um, you know, hoping for the best, crossing their fingers. I've even seen some parents drop off their kids like it's a playground. So, yeah. <laughs> and um, and typically they, they start the process and everything and um, they would go through the process. And essentially, if they didn't qualify, they would kick them out. And uh, and I said, well, why do you, why do we work so hard to get these people into the dealership? Mm-hmm. And um, they get here and then we don't have a strategy for them. And they say, well, Calvin, no one is going to put together a strategy for these people. You know, they'll just go to another dealership. Some buy and some don't buy. And I said, okay, all right. Well, it seems like a kind of a sketchy, well, I don't say sketchy, but it seems like a kind of a scary way uh, to make a living. So I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start telling people what they need to know to go into buying a car. Mind you, a lot of people don't know this, but when I first was working at the dealership, probably the first six months, I didn't have a car. So here I am telling people why they need a car, and here I am not having a car. <laughs> My wife and I, technically we had a car, but she had to drive back and forth to NIU. Yeah. So um, so it's, here I am getting dropped off at the bus telling people how they should get a car. So uh, things quickly changed, but either way... Um, and I, really, I want to set the story up like this because I want people to appreciate where this is all going to go uh, once I get to it. Um, and essentially, we set that up. Bankers would come in every single week and they would essentially say, hey, um, send us more business. And I said, well, you know, we send you guys business, but you guys decline people. And you don't say why. You just say the credit score or whatever. And sometimes it was more than that. Mm-hmm. And I actually sat down with one of the representatives at one particular bank. And, I, and he told me, he says, well, this is what we're looking for at our bank. And I said, well, I sent you my friend that I went to college with. You declined him. You didn't say why. Now he's going to obviously go somewhere else. I don't get paid. You don't get paid. And it's this vicious circle. Mm-hmm. And so I said, OK, what we're going to start doing. Um, I'll start printing out people's uh, when I give them like because like their credit report. We didn't have to give it to them, but if they requested it, you know, we could give it to them. I would always give people their credit report and I would flip it over and then I would write on the back of it what they needed to do in order to qualify for a car. Now, the difference is obviously with a car, you need a car. Usually people 
they need a car right away, typically. Yeah. Um, saying that to say, a lot of people just didn't have the patience to wait and say, okay, I'll do what Calvin says. But some did. Some listened, some didn't. Um, I went from selling eight cars a month to about 20 cars a month and um, did that for about four years straight. Um, I was always in the top three, top five in sales. Mm. Um, not because of sales mostly, but just because people, the word got around that I like to help people. Then it got to a point where um, I said, okay, people started calling me that didn't want to buy a car, but they was like, hey, I heard that you help such and such, you know, with their credit. Can I get like a game plan or a strategy? And so I said, Here, how about I do this? I'll start putting in just quick videos. Um, at the time, there was a platform, you guys may have heard of it, called Periscope. Oh, yeah. So I would uh, put the videos on Periscope. And then so people, of course, everyone procrastinates. So no, only a handful of people would be able to watch it. So as they watched it, some a lot of people missed it. So then I said, okay, there's got to be another platform I can put this stuff on. And I'm like, oh, my God, YouTube. So mm-hmm. I then start putting stuff on YouTube. And then I get this call, this uh, phone call like a month later from this random guy like in Detroit, Michigan. And he says, hey, man, I saw your video. I want to know, could I pay you to help me? I said, sure, we're going to work this out. So yeah. sure enough. Um, so that started. So that's kind of how 850 Club started. It originally started as a mentoring program. I used to go into high schools, giving finance education, basic credit, as I'm learning in the mm-hmm. car business. And I'm like, man, people need to know this stuff. Like, you know, I don't know, like, especially like in the black households, that conversation isn't had a lot. You no. know, when we're talking credit, you know, mm-hmm. most parents say don't get a credit card. And it's not because they didn't want us to have one. It's mm-hmm. because they didn't know how to use one properly. Home ownership. No, a lot of the baby boomers didn't have a lot of, no, a lot of people don't know this. A lot of baby boomers didn't have, uh, they didn't, they really didn't own a lot of homes. It was their parents. So like our grandparents, right? Yeah. And so our grand, yeah. And so, but then you had, that's a twofold problem. The grandparents didn't tell their kids how they need to go into home ownership. Mm-hmm. Then number two, um, the baby boomers, they felt like, oh, well, when mom passes away or when dad passes away, I'll keep this property. Well, the problem is, is that, you know, historically, sometimes we don't as a community don't know how to handle money. No long, long term. Mm-hmm. So then we take out second mortgages and all that. I'll get into that in a second. Yeah. But I wanted to give people these tips and I want to put it on YouTube. Started doing that. And um, slowly uh, it went from getting um, like a call from that one guy. I started getting one call a week. Um, a call a day, 10 calls a day, 20 calls a day. I couldn't even do my full-time job. Mm. Now, I loved working at the dealership. It was the most success I've ever had at a job. It was my first time making over six figures. So things started to change. The address changed. Um, you know, a lot of things started to like slowly change. So I really appreciated it. And But I said to myself, okay, where is this going? Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where um, I was making about half of what I was making at uh, with helping people with credit and such. Then, yeah, so it was like, I was like, okay, so what if I'm missing out on something? And this one guy, um, I still talk to him every now and then, this one guy mm-hmm. had mentioned uh, that I was working with, he says, Calvin, listen, you only live once. This will always be here. You should at least go out, try it. And if it doesn't work, they will always take you back. Yeah. And he says, honestly, and this, mind you, this guy, um, he invested in Tesla early on. So just kind of give you like an idea, but hold on. He says, mm-hmm. Calvin, if you were, this is one of the most, I would say empowering things I've ever heard. He says, Calvin, if you were a stock, I would invest in you. And so mind you, now mind you, this is like a 60 year old white guy, you know, so I'm thinking mm-hmm. like, you know, like somebody's grandpa. Right. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, man, that means a lot because of his age, you know, and I know he knows what he's talking about, but I said, okay, 
I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and you know, see if I can, no, not see if I can do it, but try to structure this. That's when my wife came in, right? She says, okay, you got this. Let's go ahead and put some structure behind this, okay? Mm-hmm. So we did that. And sure enough, um, then it got to a certain point where people said, hey, Calvin, you've helped me get the credit card. You've helped me get the car. And then it got to a point where I'm helping people in like nationally, right? And people were saying, hey, Calvin, you know what? I want to get a house. I would then start to uh, refer them to other real estate agents. And, you know, some, you know how it is when you refer people. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, it didn't work out. Like, people was like, hey, I didn't get a call from this person or this person didn't. The energy wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. I've always been high energy. I've always, I've you no, know, I've once heard that um, there's a different, you no, know, when you walk inside the room, you're either brightening the room or you're dimming the room. Yeah, yeah. And I've always wanted to be the person that brightens the room. So I told them, I said, okay, here. I was thinking like, man, what if I'm leaving money on the table, right? So I said, okay, I'll get my license. There start to be a growing list of people waiting for me to get my license, like for real. And so, and here's the crazy part, right? I got a little arrogant. My wife and I bought our first house in 2013. So this is like 20, this is about 2016 when all this is kind of happening. So I'm, so I'm thinking like, okay, if I'm taking the real estate exam, this is going to be a breeze. I ain't got to study for this. I failed that bad boy four times. And so... <laughs> Once you fail four times, you have to repay to take the test. Yeah. Either way, did that, and I literally had about nine people like waiting for me to pass the test. I sent out this text to everybody. I said, "Hey, I got my license." They said, "Perfect, let's go." And so I took off. And I my my motto was, "I make home ownership easy." Mm-hmm. And so that was how no park place didn't exist at that time because in the state of Illinois, you have to um, be working with a brokerage for two years before you can create your own. Which makes sense. Some states have a different rule, but you have to have enough experience. Unfortunately, they only have time as the um, as the qualifier. So you could literally you can have your license for two years, not write any business, and then start a brokerage. Which a lot of people don't know that. That's why it's a lot of uneducated people. Um, you know, with see, real estate is the the course is mainly law. Mm-hmm. It's not strategy. It's not education in a sense. It's not market type stuff. So anyway, got that completed. And um, everything just took off. We, um, I, I think I sold 11 homes my first year. The mm-hmm. next year it went to 18. The next year it went to uh, 36. Um, and then, because uh, at that point, um, I, that was the first year I hit top producer. You had to sell 32 homes. At first, I'm thinking like 32 homes, that's a lot of homes. Yeah. But I haven't failed less than 30-some homes since that time. On average, I average about 70 homes a year, mm-hmm. just personally. And um, now it's at the point where I give deals to the team. And so they can, you know, help with the flow mm. and they see how I do things and they say, okay, let's keep this going. So, um, that's essentially how everything started. Then, um, I don't know how it's so crazy. Uh, black enterprise picked it up and some, I think it was a, some, another magazine had picked up a story from something that my wife did. And, and then they said, we had no idea you guys owned a real estate brokerage. And we don't, we know, we don't want people to do business with us because it's a black owned brokerage. Cause you know, I feel like that's been yeah. kind of loose right now. Everything's like, oh, black this, black that. Yeah. Do it, do business with us because we care about you. Do mm-hmm. business with us because we have a five star Google rating. Do business with us because we're gonna help you. We're gonna make this easy. That's why I want you to do business with us. So, um, but either way, that's essentially how um, that got started. So, and here we are. So, of course, I left Nissan back in, uh, oh, I forgot, I didn't want to name drop. But either way, I left the dealership. <laughs> I left the dealership. Um, I was going to ask, too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, uh, I left them in 2017 and uh, went out on my own. And uh, but, you know, it wasn't always uh, pretty, you know, so because um, I've had businesses before, but I never really successfully had a business that I where 100 percent of our income came from this one source. Mm -hmm. And so the credit piece um, that took off uh, real estate that took off. And um, one of our best months um, in um, in uh, 850 Club, we did over 50 K in one month. Mm. Um, and then in Park Place Realty, I mean, that no, that's always up. No, that's kind of crazy. I think the best month we ever did there was like 60 K. And I think in 2020, everybody was up. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I think you could have been selling used two picks you still you would have found somebody in 2020 mm. um but <laughs> but that's the thing is that it's it's really a matter of um making sure that people have that people know an easy way to accomplish their goal we're goal oriented mm. and that's how that's always been our approach because credit let's be honest credit is one of those industries where it's a gray area industry and i didn't want to be the credit company that helps you buy a home i got into way less doors but when, I, when we became the real estate company that can help you with your credit if needed, the doors opened up. Mm. And so um, New Life Church um, invited uh, invited me out to do a presentation. Uh, Pastor Hannah, um, I mean, shout out to him because he most definitely um, was blazed a trail. So many people that were huge along this journey and uh, just putting me in front of people and outside of YouTube and things of that sort. And um, everything just kind of just took off. So sorry, I know that was a lot. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm so here we are. I'm like, damn, no, yeah. that's that, no, yeah. that's that's impressive. And Thank like, you. the biggest thing takeaway is was your mindset. Yeah, you said, okay, here's how you can improve your credit to get, you know, approved for a car. Yeah, most car salesmen are like, okay, you didn't get approved. I'm not making no commission, whatever. Yeah, have a nice day. Yeah, have a nice day. Yeah. They don't they don't give a damn. We used to do little things. Well, I was well, unfortunately, I was part of the group. Because you are you are who you hang around. You yeah. are who you are yeah. the people that you hang around with the most. Mm -hmm. And if we're at, you know, uh like working at the job and you're around people that's like negative, you don't even you may not even notice it, but you're slowly becoming that mm -hmm. negative person. And so we would do things like a football, like a kicker does. And so essentially if a person had bad credit and we kicked them out. After they left out the door, we used to have like we used to have like this fake imaginary football like this, with like a punt, like oh, <laughs> like oh, okay, I guess they got kicked out. So, just these little things, but at the same time, they didn't realize that that was it was really hurting their business mm -hmm. because they were so they would talk to I don't know five ten people a day, and then just be happy about that one person. I was thinking that mm -hmm. guys, we should be thinking long term. If so, if ten people come in. I want everybody's business. Mm -hmm. Be, and then you would get some people, and even in real estate people do this. They say, oh, I don't want this client because they are, their pre-approval is only this high. And I'm like, well, you know what's crazy mm -hmm. is that I have a, um, a young, uh, there's a young lady that's a client of mine, and her pre-approval was like maybe a, under 115. Usually agents, they kind of run away from situations like that. Or if they're lazy, they don't, they don't see the future. Mm -hmm. And she ended up getting promoted at a job in which she then not only told me about other people, but she told me about her sorority. And then that led to other people. Mm. And then another thing too, that people don't understand. And that's why I always kind of break it down to like the simplest form. No one, no one, most people are not with the first times. What, let me explain what that means. Your first car, 
Are you driving? The, the first car you got, you still drive that car? Mm -mm. The first job you've ever worked, you still work there? Nope. The first relationship you ever had, you still with that person? Oh, no. Right. You've moved on. Right? He <laughs> <No. laughs> said, no, don't, don't take me that, that back that far gap. But my point is, the first house, people are going to upgrade at some point. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what that first house is. Let's, I know we're $115,000 a house. People, they upgrade, right? Yeah. And then even if they never upgrade, people know people. You have no idea who people know. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you want to give stellar customer service and then they're going to remember see they might not remember all the facts right mm -hmm. our parents didn't give us bedtime facts they gave us bedtime stories and so people remember the emotion they make they remember how you made them feel mm -hmm. and they said man you know what i want to be in conversations and i think the craziest conversation uh, that I was a part of was this one guy worked at um, I think Coca-Cola or Pepsi and he was making a delivery to someone um, at a um, at one of his delivery places mm. mind you I don't know who this guy is then the guy that he sees this is a route he comes through every I think a couple times a week and he sees this same guy so the truck driver sees the guy that works at the store I don't know who the guy at the store is either mm. they get into a mini conversation saying hey I want to go into home ownership and, and then the guy at the store says man uh, let me share with you this information about this guy that I watch. He sends him my video link, one of the videos, I don't know. And then the guy that's the truck driver calls me and says, man, I know, I don't know you. I barely know the guy that gave me your information, but I know I, I can you help me go into home ownership? And so I'm saying that to say, I want to be in conversations, even if I don't know those people. Mm. So, but that's always been um, a goal of mine. Yeah. I don't know if I answered any of your questions at that point. No, <laughs> no it's, that, that's incredible. We, 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 were, we were just talking about like, like the mindset. Yeah, like your mindset is crazy. And you know, I, I actually thought about that before. Like, why don't places such as car dealerships, right? Yeah, uh, help people who are not approved. Like, yeah, get in a position to be approved. But then when you yeah. start thinking about the, the world and you know capitalism, you know, yeah. th those companies make money off people having bad credit. They do, and that's a, and. You know, that part. See, crazy. And when you think about it, that's how banks make money. Yeah. They, they can't make money if everyone has good credit. Yeah. They can't because that's where the low interest rates are, especially like with cars, because yeah. um, that's a short term situation. But the, the, the sweet spot, the sweetest spot is the people that don't know where they are. They, they walk into the dealership. They're like, oh, I got this. And then regardless of how the salesman makes money or whatever the case is, mm -hmm. they don't know what their options are and they don't ask questions. So there's a difference between people who ask, just simply ask what research. There's no excuse for us to be in 2023 winging it, you know, so because mm -hmm. we have access to Google. My mom. She bought Encyclopedia uh, Britannica, so we would have to read certain things. So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm not a super huge, um, you know, like research or anything like that. But my mm -hmm. point is, is that if you want to know something, you can look up that information, but you cannot rely on or hoping that the person, the the sale, the car salesman, the real estate agent is going to have your best interest, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that, that's just not the way the world works. Yeah. But the people who do have your best interest at yeah. heart, long term, they win. They and do that's win. That's why you win it. Right? Man, I'm Seriously. trying. <laughs> For Seriously. sure. And I just like banks uh, love um, uh, revolvers as yeah. far as credit cards. They don't want that. They don't like people as much who pay off their balance in full. No, they want you to charge you charge their interest rate. That's how they make money, and yeah. and it's okay. That's that's the system, you yeah. know. And, and and if that's the thing is that in America, right? Mm -hmm. I love where I live. 
you know, when you start going to other countries and stuff like that, they don't have the same infrastructure. You go to Jamaica, you want to buy a house, you got to put down over 70 percent in, in some areas, over 50 percent. in really? some areas. Yes. Jesus. It's cheaper to build a house than it is to finance one in Jamaica. Even wow. is and you but but now even like in China or a lot of these places they're just starting to get a close infrastructure like it's still miles away from the American credit system. Hmm. In America, it's not any place you can go to, but in America you got an idea you say, you know what? I don't have the money, but I have an idea. Let me pay these things on time so I can build up a score so I can get the money. You mm-hmm. cannot do that in other countries, you know, so and not because of just because of capitalism. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that people don't you know. That's a, a whole nother. I have to come back for that. Yeah, one. So, nah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but that's that's the short end of it. Huh? Yeah. Okay, so the, the 850 Club, you, yeah. you told me a little bit about this before we, you know, turned, turned everything yeah. going. Yeah. Uh, you, you said you you built the software and the algorithm. Yeah, so. And you spent a lot of money on it. We did. Yeah, we, um, my wife and I, we spent close to um, 100K um, on this software. And uh, wow. and not not in a, and I and for those who are watching, I never want to come off bragging or boasting. I want to come off as a guy that's going to give you an idea. I want to set an expectation. Yeah. If you're looking to build something out, it's going to cost money. Yeah. So you know, so a lot of people aren't aren't trying to do all that, right? But the only reason why I did that is because there it didn't exist. Most people right now, when they want to know something about credit, they either ask their friends and family. They, you know, uh, look up you things on YouTube, kind of hope for the best because you don't know because now it's now it's all about followers. If you if, if a person has more followers or subscribers versus a person who has a certification or some type of degree, they're going to look listen to the person who has the followers because mm-hmm. they've been socially accepted. Mm-hmm. However, sometimes a lot of that information is based on the three people they've helped. I've seen over 10,000 credit reports. I've seen every scenario you can possibly imagine. This ain't changing that much, you know, anytime soon. Although California is working on some changes. That's a, another episode. But um, but when 850 Club first started, my biggest thing was being hands-on. So I'll take you back a bit. Mm-hmm. So when we first started the company, I, was, uh, I used to do consultations. And I would be on the phone with people for an hour. And at the time, I was charging people like maybe 50 bucks, you know, something like. Because it, it was never the money for me. I got more out of the person having the success. I got more out of the person accomplishing their goal. Mm-hmm. So I would literally, and, and I had a follow-up. So we would, so if you paid a certain amount, I would follow up with you three times. So I would follow up with, with, follow up with you month one, month two, month three. And by that time, you should kind of be where you needed to be. Mm-hmm. Then it got to a point where the company grew so fast, I couldn't keep up. And it was only so much time in a day that you could fit people in. And it got to a point where we were pushing. I couldn't follow up with everyone in 30 days. So then I had to start, you know, getting the staff going, start training the staff. We still couldn't keep up. So then I said, okay, we have to start kind of scaling back. Okay, we can't follow up. We can't talk to them every single month. Well, we just email them and kind of go from there. So we did that. That was part one. Um, The biggest thing was I wanted to keep up with the times. Mm-hmm. Um, credit is one of those, if you know, credit obviously falls into that financial industry. And when you talk about yeah. finance, which is one of those topics that a lot of people, I won't necessarily say are not just as comfortable talking with, they don't know who to talk to about these things. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure that they didn't lose that personal touch in a sense, but at the same time, just keeping up with times. We're used to going to DoorDash without talking to anybody. 
going to Uber without talking to anybody. Yeah. Everything is now like right here in the palm of my hands. It used to be from, you know, hey, I need to talk to someone. Now it's like, eh, I don't even know if I want to talk to anybody. Now we text, we chat, we do this, everything. And so I said, okay, let's go ahead and go this route. However, there's a lot of platforms that's out there, but this is the only platform in the world that literally uh, you, you could upload your credit report. It reads the credit report. It tells you exactly what you need to do to improve your credit score. It's goal-based. So if you say, hey, my goal is to buy a house, it's going to tell you exactly what you need to do to, you know, uh, as far as credit goes mm -hmm. um, to get your report in place to qualify for a home. Mm -hmm. And we're working on a couple of other things, too, that, oh, man, it's going to be crazy. So, um, <laughs> but, like uh, but I'm, I'm excited for what the future is going to hold. And, uh, but that's essentially what that is, is that, and it's the only software that's out there that's doing that. Um, and not, again, don't want to come off bragging or boasting, but more so because I'm solving a problem. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that people don't want to talk to everybody about this type of situation. People don't want to overpay. That's another problem in the credit industry. Oh, yeah. People are charging 1500 a 1000 You know, um, there are some people, I'm sure, you know, I, some people are like, why would you even pay someone? There, no, let me tell you something. Only in the black community do people pay hundreds, thousands for credit, right? Mm -hmm. Versus a lot of other people say, I'll just educate myself or I'll learn or I'll kind of ask my friends, whatever the case may be. And it's not that we're making a bad decision. My point is, is that at what point are you going to start making, are, are you going to start creating new habits, right? Because that's really what it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's once you get the information, it's like, okay, now how can I start doing this? Or really I just I wanted to make sure that everything stayed affordable and people can still get results so I don't want to spend too much time necessarily on the software because I'm not trying to you know do a shameless plug um, <laughs> but at the end of the day it's something that uh, it's goal-based and it's not just for people that want to go into a home um, you, if you want to buy a car if you want to lower your car payment if things that credit allows you to do a higher limit credit card it puts you in position because for the most part, a lot of people are just winging it. They're guessing, yeah. you know, and since I've seen so many credit reports on the bad side and good side, it's like, hey, this is what you need to do. So mm. that's 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 powerful. And, yeah. uh, and and where can people find this software? Yeah. So it's uh, <laughs> 850club.com forward slash start. Um, yeah. So 850club.com forward slash start. So. Yeah. Okay. And then you get there and you can actually create an account for free. Um, there's a couple free tips in the free version, yeah. uh, but the paid version is when you're able to upload your credit report. It gives you a customized game plan um, and then you're able to dispute items as well, too. I forgot to mention that. So, of course, you can select what items you want to dispute on the um, inside the software nice. and check. The, oh, it's even better than that. You can actually track. Uh, so once you click dispute, it actually sends a letter off certified. So you can track everything inside the software. You don't have to leave anywhere. It's, it is only going to get better. Now, that also comes with, I have a home buying course uh, that's super dope. That It comes with that um, business credit course. It's already in there. So it's nothing additional. Mm. Um, how to buy a car, how to lease a car. Um, yeah, it's in there. So it's that's, amazing. That's, and this is just the beginning. Dope. I, yeah, I, I can tell. I mean, I, I can just see just different ways it can just yeah. grow. Yeah, like like for for example, teaching people like money management skills. Cause yeah, you you help them build their credit so they get those twenty yeah. thirty thousand on Amaxes or right. Chases, but they, yeah. they just blow it. Right, because of that that mindset isn't together. It's yeah, it's terrible. So that's, I can see you growing in all type of ways. With yeah, that. thank you. And you know that's the thing is that people not they're not understanding is that mm -hmm. they think that they're getting around the system. But the system is always going to be five, 10, 20 steps yeah. ahead of us because now mm -hmm. they're just going to change the score requirements. Of course because they are. if everyone, if everyone all of a sudden has a 700 credit score, 750 credit score, but the person has not changed, that means the habits will be the same. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, man, 
I, we approve this person at 700, but they're acting like they're a 500 mentally yeah. because they're doing whatever those habits are typically are. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they'll say, you know what? We need to change the, the lending requirements. Yeah. So a lot of times we're creating the problem that we say we don't like. And people are trying to put their credit report in a microwave, put it on there for 30 seconds and then take it out before it beeps. Just and that's what the, that's what everyone's doing. It's like okay, how fast it, we're becoming impatient. And the problem is yeah, that that creates another problem because now if that's what you did to get to where you are, how can you teach your kids that? Now you got to hope this guy's alive to help your kids because because you didn't learn the knowledge to to pass it down. So it it goes down a lot of levels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> so that's that's dope. I'm excited about that. Yeah. So let, let let's get into some into some real estate questions. Let's do it. So home buying, yeah. um, you know, I, I would love more people to own more homes and yeah. and, and or even just uh, rental properties like yeah. real estate. Yeah. Because right now, you know, when the economy is terrible, I tell people, you yeah. know, like stock options and things like that. You mm-hmm. can trade that up or down mm-hmm. regardless of the economy, and make money. You know, yeah. I trade stock options. You sound like it. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that's what's up. And, re- and, and real estate is another good thing to get into. That's right. You know, to have those assets. So yeah. Let's say I'm looking to buy a home. Yeah. I'm coming to you. Like, mm-hmm. what are the first steps that I should take to get approved? Yeah. So I always tell people the first thing you want to do, um, because it's the easiest things to change, is going to be taking a look at your, your score. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because even if your score is not there, you can work. Even if it's not, you no, know, like going through my software, there's over 800 videos that I have for free on YouTube. You know, I didn't even mention the YouTube page just because I don't even I don't want people to feel like, OK, he's just talking about what he has in place. But more so so people know that there I do. There's a lot of free ways that are out there to help you improve your credit score. But either way, saying that to say that's the easiest thing to change. Um, so first thing you want to do is make sure you, you see what your score is. Now, let's talk about that for a second. A lot of people say things like, well, credit karma is not accurate. Well, let me go ahead and correct that. I hear that what? Yeah. Credit karma is 100 percent accurate. You will not hear anyone in the credit industry say that. Here's why. Credit karma is um, a different algorithm. Okay. So credit is an algorithm. Mm-hmm. Um, you have two main algorithms. Algorithm number one is what over 90% of lenders use. It's called FICO, F-I-C-O. Mm-hmm. And that is an abbreviation. Um, I don't even know if I said that right, abbreviation, but it's that's a Fair Isaac Incorporation. So mm-hmm. um, long story short, two guys came together and said, hey, we should start putting a score on people. This is in the 1950s. And then... Um, well, I'm sorry, 1970s, but then they didn't finalize it until like the early 1980s. And they said, hey, this is what we should be doing. Be- before f- uh, credit scores came out, um, they it was all about referrals. It was all about references. Mm-hmm. So if you knew the local doctor and he vouched for you, then it's like, oh, this person's good. They got the money. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, hey, well, I, I, know, I still know that doctor down the street. Fam, we need to see your credit score. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you need to check your credit score first. Um, you don't have to have a lot. You know what I you know it's crazy. It's easier to buy a house. And I hate to say this because I, I feel like I sound like a real estate agent. But um, this is true, though, and especially. And again, it should be this simple. But I'm going to tell people it's easier to buy a house than it is to get a credit card. It's easier to buy a house than it is to buy a car. Let me break that down. And I, so when you are bu- when you're buying a car, um, you have no idea what the rates are going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're buying a home. And Google mortgage rates, they're right there. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets the market rate, okay? And so they started that in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And really, um, the Civil Rights Act of 19, 1968 actually became the Fair Housing Act. A lot of people don't know that. 
So because that was really what Martin Luther King was advocating for at the time was fair housing and amongst other things. And then they said, okay, housing sounds more acceptable. Let's go and just call that, you know, the, you know essentially uh, the Fair Housing Act. Mm. So that's when it said, okay, then not long after that, that's when they really start pushing FHA loans. And that's when the, um, the Federal Housing um, uh, Authority, I believe I said that right. So, <laughs> but Essentially, you only need a 580 credit score, okay? But let's go back to Credit Karma real quick. So Credit Karma, the reason why I say Credit Karma is accurate is simply because um, it's two algorithms. Number one, 90% of lenders use FICO. I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the other algorithm that 10% or less of lenders use is called Vantage Score, V-A-N-T-A-G-E, Score. Mm-hmm. And so Vantage Score is the Burger King of the credit industry, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, FICO is the McDonald's of the industry. No matter your choice, They're both burgers, Mm -hmm. right? But one, let's be honest, is more popular than the other. So because Credit Karma, people look at the software. Credit Karma is nothing but software. But the algorithm that is providing the scores, the algorithm that's providing the report comes from Vantage Score. I'm going to make this go a little bit crazier. Um, (laughs) So when people say things like, well, you know, I don't look at Credit Karma. I have Capital One. Capital One, no, that lets me know what my score is. Yeah. Capital One uses Vantage Score. They do. Yeah. Wallet Hub uses Vantage Score. Identity IQ uses uh, Vantage Score. There's nothing wrong with Vantage Score. Um, oh my God, uh, Credit Sesame. Tr- tr- if you go to trans, if you go to transunion.com right now or Equifax.com right now, and you get a membership with them directly, those are Vantage Scores. Those are not even FICO scores. Exactly. Really. It's cheaper. It's cheaper. It's cheaper for them to provide those scores. See, FICO is like Apple. Um, where essentially it's like, hey, this is us. No one can get in. Don't you touch anything. This is us. We're not changing anything unless we have to. Vantage score is more like a Google. Wow. It's like, hey, hey, you know, we just want to help people. Here's the scores. You don't have a score. Now you got a score. That's how Vantage score is. Wow. But because of that, people say, oh, well, it's not accurate. What's not? Show me a show me a credit show me a credit karma credit report. Then show me a FICO credit report. It's the same report. You know why? Because neither one of these companies make reports. They're algorithms. That is an equation. The report comes from the bureaus. The bureau is Equifax, TransUnion, and of course Experian. Mm-hmm. Their job is to make sure that the that the uh, that the accounts are on the reports. That's it. Yeah. And then they send those reports to the algorithm, Vantage Score, FICO, and they they analyze that and they say, okay, this is the score. And then when people look, so here's what it is. It's not that people don't like Credit Karma. It's just that's what they have access to as consumers because it's free. Mm -hmm. So since it's free, they have access to it. And then what they'll do, they'll go to the dealership and then they'll get their credit ran because I'm going to tell you about um, how many scores we have in a second. They'll get their credit ran and then they'll say, oh, well, your score is different. Man, I knew Credit Karma wasn't accurate. No, that's because they use FICO. I heard that a lot. You know what I mean? So, but let's, let's talk about that. So the thing is, is that when people... People have to understand a couple things. One, and I'll ask you, and it's no, and, and here, it's, I'm not expecting you to know this particular answer mm-hmm. simply because we're not taught these things. Yeah. How many credit scores does a person have? A lot. Okay. Like I have the Experian app and it yeah. shows a million FICO 8s, FICO 11. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Right. So check this out. Because you have that, before you had that platform, did you even know you had that many scores? No. Exactly. And mm-hmm. usually people think they just have three scores, one from each bureau. Yes. Yeah, you have 28 credit you have 28 credit scores. 28. Here's why. And it's the it's the most beautiful thing in America. Here's why. They created these categories. There's seven categories. 
Okay. I'm sorry. There's nine categories of three scores that that comes out to 27. Okay. But that additional score is one that they kind of the newest score that they have out. Mm-hmm. They've come out with the FICO nine. They come out with the FICO 10. The 10 is coming out no, here. It means nothing if no one's going to use it. Okay, because see, here's the difference. You have to say, hey, bank, this is FICO. Hey, bank, um, this is our new scoring algorithm, our new scoring algorithm. The bank has to now test this algorithm out, which means they have to look at the new scoring platform, give some loans out there. You can't you can't determine what the future is going to hold if a person only has a loan for three months. 12 months, we got to see some longevity. Mm. So because of that, and things keep changing, changing, the people keep their buying habits change. So it's just easier to keep things the same way. The same scores that mortgage companies have been using, they've been using the same, and, and auto the auto industry as well too. On average, they've been using the same algorithms for the past 10 to 12 years. So no matter what new stuff comes out, mm. saying that to say, when you try to go get a credit card, a credit card, you have no idea. You can have a 750 score. You can have your income there. If you, if you know, you have the chase, um, you know, the, the what do you call it? The chase um, inquiry rule. You got so much stuff. These are because they're not regulated. They there's some things that they are regulated on, but you can't tell Chase Bank on what they need to do to. Uh, what reg- well, I'm sorry, what requirements or regulations they're going to have in place to approve someone for a credit card. You can't tell them. I mean, technically you could, but that's that's doing too much. So they do make sure that when you're looking for a house that that's regulated, which means that um, it's going to be the same for everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I say it's easier to, to get a credit card. I'm sorry, easier to get a house than it would be to get a credit card. It's easier to get a house than it would be to get um, a car because you don't know what the rates are for a car unless you go to your bank. But if you go to your bank, now you only got one, um, you know, one interest option. But I'll come back another day and we'll talk about, you know, how that whole process goes. <laughs> um but that's essentially what how that process works is that, you know, with Credit Karma, I tell people all the time, look to see where, you know, look to see where your scores are and you want to be at least a 580. OK, mm-hmm. now it's two ways to see your mortgage scores. Um, your mor- There's only two ways to see your mortgage scores. Way number one is to go to a lender. And of course, that's going to be a hard pull, but they can see your mortgage scores. OK, um, the second way is to go to myfico.com because that's the actual source that everything pulls from. Okay. Mm -hmm. And myfico.com is actually better than Experian.com. And the reason being is because, see, it's it's nothing wrong with Experian. Experian is just bias. Experian is like, hey, we'll show you all of our experience scores. Mm -hmm. We'll show you only your top, uh, your overall Equifax and your overall TransUnion score. But we're not going to show you all the rest of those scores. Right. So Mm -hmm. now you're paying, you know, about 30 bucks a month. So we're in that range. But see, for $30 a month on FICO.com, you don't get monthly credit reports. And you have to pay forty dollars a month for that. I no sidebar. FICO should really pay me to be talking about them. But anyway, <laughs> nah, so for real. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, you go. Uh, you go to FICO.com, uh, myfico.com. You create the account. You get the advanced plan. That's the cheapest one to get. It's thirty bucks. You don't have to keep it uh, or anything like that. Once you get that, it's going to show you your three mortgage scores. Okay, because remember, there's nine categories, and one category is mortgages. Okay, and you drop the highest score. You drop the lowest score and whatever score is left is your middle mortgage score. That's the number that they're going to use when you are going uh, when you're starting the pre-approval process. So a lot of people think, well, I can't see that score unless I go to a lender. No. See, that's what makes us different mm. than a lot of other real estate brokers. See, they don't not. It's not that they don't have the information. They'd rather not look at that. Mm. Most real estate agents you talk to, they'll say, Hey, Brianna, you want to buy a house? Yeah, girl, you know I want to buy a house. Okay, great. Here's my lender's number. No, and let me know how it goes. Yeah. Mm-mm, not where I'm at. So, so how we set it up is we confirm the score first. 
We know you can buy first before we send you to the lender. This this isn't, we're not trying to see what you can get approved for. We know you can get approved. We want to see what the amount is going to be for. Mm. And so that's why we are, I won't say more successful, but that's how we do it to make sure that everything flows through. Okay. Mm. But most people are not going to do that extra work. So it doesn't matter. They're not. No. Sure. And so they're, they're winging it. And, it, and then, then you have the second part. If the person doesn't qualify, let's say it's credit score wise, then it goes to that same dealership kickout mode. It's like, oh, eh, you didn't get the pre-approval? Yeah, they said my score wasn't high enough. Oh, okay, well, call me when you're ready. And then on yeah. to the next person. Yeah. See, so everyone's fishing in the same pond. Everyone wants the 700s. Everyone wants the 600s. Mm -hmm. See, those are going to come. Those they, they, They're going to come. That's a natural thing. They they know that they qualify. They're going to they're going to start that process. The money is where the people that don't qualify, not the money to the point where it's like just business-wise, but that's what the opportunity is. And so most people don't want to work that hard. I mean, everyone wants to lay up. So, yeah. Yeah, it's sad, but yeah. that's yeah. society. A lot of people do it. You know, people get mad at the results they don't have from the work that they didn't put in. So I'm mm. going to drop them today. Mm. Wait, <laughs> say that again? <laughs> I said people get mad at the results that they don't have from the work that they didn't put in. Mm. Yep. That gotta be like a Bible verse or something. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. Saying. Like, <laughs> what? That's crazy. But no, yeah. that, that's 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 true. People feel like feel entitled to a lot yeah. of stuff. And you, you ain't do shit. You right. Know? Exactly. <laughs> a thousand percent. You know, so but to the to give the super short version, and I'm a, I'm gonna make I'm gonna shorten these up a bit, but I'm, I'm and the reason why I'm kind of extending these answers out, because I want people to understand the mindset of it all, yeah. right? But at the same time, no, all you need to have is a five eighty, uh a five eighty uh middle credit score. You guys can go to myfico.com, see what that looks like. If you're not there, then there's plenty of resources that's out there. Mm -hmm. um, then now I will say this: just because 580 is the entry, that just gets your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're between 580 and 620, you can get a house, but it's gonna be a little bit of a red tape. They're gonna need you to. Uh, they're gonna need proof of a lot more, a lot more questions. Underwriting mm -hmm. is not gonna be your best friend. That type of stuff. Now, if you're 620, you automatically get what they call the market rate. Okay, so the mark. So that means so this is where how buying a home is different from buying a car. If you are a 620, you want to go get a car. You're more than likely going to have a double digit interest rate. OK, um, just because a car is a. Sh yeah. yeah, it's a it's a short term commitment. People jump out of cars all the time. People get into accidents. People you know cars. are. You know, we know how the cars are. Mm -hmm. um, so you would need the the better interest rates with a car is usually 680 and higher, 720 and mm -hmm. higher when you're buying a house. You could be between 620 and 850. The rate's going to be the exact same. See? Really? A, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Now, that's only if, that's only if you have an FHA loan. Okay? Because, again, that's the regulation. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's like, hey, this is the market rate. You can get that if you're between 620 to 850. You're going to get whatever the best rate is at the time that we lock your, your um, at the time that we lock your rate in. Rates change technically every day, really every, no, every hour, but they display them. It's too much to keep people updated every hour. So it's just day, a daily rate. And essentially that's how that part, that part would go. But um, 620 and higher, that's where you want to be. Now, if you guys want down payment assistance, not saying you need it, but uh, down payment assistance is available. State money. Who don't want money from the state? Uh, mm -hmm. Just you know, for getting home ownership. You can get easily uh, $7,500 is the easiest one to get if you're 640 or higher. And uh, But there's a lot of uh, so many other down payment assistance programs out there, but you got to qualify, of course. And uh, But I would say 620 and above, you'll be good to go. Now, you do have a, the conventional loan. I don't want to confuse or give too much on it just because I want people to, to be confused. Mm -hmm. But with conventional, 
Some people may have to go conventional simply because of the uh, the property sometimes. Like certain properties only want conventional. Um, so like, uh, yeah. In my use, home, I closed on last year. Yeah. yeah. I tried to do FHA. They say I have no, to go conventional. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's e- it's an easier loan yeah. for, it's an easier closing loan, okay? But mm-hmm. it's a little bit harder to qualify for. That means Brianna got her stuff together, guys. So you see <laughs> but either way. That good credit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, so you have that. But then, on the conventional side, too, sometimes people have to go conventional because of their DTI. So it's, sometimes it's because of student loans. Sometimes it's because of their income. And Most what of is the that t- for the audience? For the, uh, oh, the yeah, audience. DTI. So debt to income. Mm-hmm. So with debt to income, short version is because the percentages are going to change all the time. So it doesn't make sense for me to go too deep into the mm-hmm. percentages. But as far as DTI, it's going to be your debt to income ratio. And essentially, the the I would say the easiest way to look at this, guys, is making sure that your debts are as low as possible. The And so debts are not total balance. Debts are really monthly payment commitments. OK, yeah. so like, for example, you may have a car note, which is normal. That's natural. We expect you to have a car note. Right. But when you start getting into like personal loans, stuff like that, there's nothing wrong with having a personal loan, you still can close on a house. But if your income, if it, if that monthly payment starts like uh, the percentage, start getting close to the percentage of the income that, that the bank has for your DTI ratio, then it gets to a point where it's like, hey, we may need you to pay this loan off. We may need you to bring your credit cards down because mm-hmm. those monthly payments are now challenging, right? Mm-hmm. So now, don't get me wrong, this goes also, income can fix that too. But is it, that's the thing, is it easier to tell someone, hey, make more money? Or is it easier to tell someone, hey, pay this off or pay this down? Right. Mm -hmm. And so people can usually pay stuff down because they're making payments on it anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. And but to go say, uh, no, hey, go make more money. That's almost rude. You know, so. (laughs) So but that's essentially how that process goes. But yeah, 620 is all you need um, unless you have like a high student loan balance. Let's talk about student loans just for a hot second. Um, Yes, Yes, please. (laughs) So. Here's the thing with student loans. One, don't wait on Biden. No, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> nah, you're right. I've been waiting on him. <laughs> um, so, so here, here's the. I'm not going to go into the logic behind whether student loans should be forgiven or not. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, the thing is, is that it's really not the student loans themselves. It's really the fact that we're allowing these schools to charge so much. Yeah, facts. you know, we are saying, hey, go to EIU, go to NIU. When you can get, but you, but I need these companies to honor my degree if I get it from a city college, right? Because that's that's really why we go to the bigger schools and so we look better on paper yeah. right but now it's starting to feel more like a receipt than a degree in, in a sense and so it's like well man i was promised this american dream but then at the same time let's be honest things are shifting right there's no class you could be a, become a successful podcaster like brianna right however there's no class necessarily on uh, in college on that right no. even if it was what would we, would we really pay for that right no. Google has come out with certifications. Facebook has come out with certifications. I'm not knocking school. We, I, I Listen, I want people to understand we do need our doctors, our lawyers, our teachers. Yes. People do need these certifications. All I'm saying is if you guys do not need to go to school or your profession doesn't require you to go to school, let's not waste that money. Let's not waste that time. Okay? Because, that, because there's a game kind of being played. Mm. And I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists like, oh, man, they're doing it. I'm not a blamer. But I will say this. There's only one place in the world where you can, I'll give you an example. When you go into, let's say you have a business idea, right? And you can go to a bank and say, this is my business plan. This is everything I got. I, this is going to change the world. Bank says, sounds good. Well, let me see your credit. Let me see your reserves. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a, a potential co-signer? Um, we know the bank is going to say, hey, let's do all these steps before we give you this money, fam. We don't know you like that. Yeah. You go get a car. They say and the car is 20000 and you qualify not to put any money down, all the rest of this jazz. 
you they give you a loan for the car. You have a nice day. You go buy a house. They give you a loan for the house. You have a nice day. Mm-hmm. You go to school. They give you so much money that yeah. you get a refund check. Now, hey, let's talk about that. So let's Those talk about that. Those used to be nice in college. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that. It comes back to bite you. Why does a person, how, first off, how does a person have a refund from money that they never had in the first? There's no refund, sir. I didn't give you $10 <laughs> for a $9 item to get a dollar back, right? That's, a re, that's money back to me. That's change. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about, uh, for example, or like a refund check, how, why am I getting a refund? And then as college students, we, t- we tell ourselves, oh, well, this is my money. I need this. Mm-hmm. First off, yeah. there are some people who most definitely made some smart decisions with refund checks. Oh yeah. Here's the difference. Unless you gave that money back, which most people didn't, unless you gave that, that money back, because no one ever thought about that. No one told us that. No one's, the, 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 the letter, it was really no letter. It just said, here's a check with your name on it. Yeah. People that's from the city of Chicago, that are from wherever you live, really, and and you come. Some people come from struggling homes. Yeah. They get a they get that five thousand dollar check. I've I've heard stories about them going back to Chicago and saying, "Hey, listen, mom, I know we need to take care of this. We need to take care of this." Yeah. Or, "Mom, I need a new laptop." Oh, baby, that's your money. That's your refund check. Yeah. Let's do the math real quick. Brianna, what would you say is the the average refund check per semester? Just a guess. Per semester. You know what you was getting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was getting like three, four thousand. Perfect. Let's just say <laughs> yeah. three thousand. Yeah. If the average refund check is three thousand dollars and a person goes to school, you no, know, let's say that they start on time, they finish on time, right? Four years. Mm-hmm. Four years, that's uh that's eight semesters. Watch where I'm going. Three thousand times eight is twenty-four thousand in refund checks. Mm. Right? So now that means if the average person, the average person has fifty thousand dollars worth of student loan debt. That means half the money that we are in debt, we could have given back, which means, but it's, I'm not going to put all the blame on us. Mm-hmm. We should have never gotten it as a refund. Why, why are we getting, we don't, this isn't, this is not, and I'm not knocking any government programs. This isn't like Section 8 or Link or something like that, where it's like, hey, mm-hmm. you qualify for X, Y, Z. Everybody got refund checks. What, let me, here. You are an 18 year old, 18, 19, 20, 21. You ha- you don't have the, the the most financial knowledge. Nope. But let's talk about how you can get that. You don't need a co-signer. You don't need a job. You are jo- a jobless college student, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a refund. That's where it's not a scam. It's not a scam. I will I will say that's it's not a see a scam is when you're doing something and you don't you don't really. Like someone told you something and it ended up being something else. We, this is stuff that we just simply, we have the documents. We just, ain't nobody reading that. It's like, listen, I get all this. Where's my check? Right. My, my, uh, my friend down the hall got their check. Where's mine's at? Right. (laughs) And so that's essentially how that went. Sorry, Brian, I got off topic. Nah, you preaching. And like you said, (laughs) I mean, we was already struggling. The parents could barely send us money to buy food. So we like, I need this. Correct. You know, so they take advantage of our of our weakness yeah you know and they were not educated you know no a, a thousand percent you know, and it's where not, we come from and it's yeah you know yeah and I, t- and I tell people that and it's like man Calvin, i never thought of like that perspective so yeah yeah it's terrible yeah now you have me thinking about how this yeah <laughs> all the refund checks i was enjoying mm-hmm. well, like, it, was, it was bad yeah 
I remember, um, and I won't put my family's, uh, my family members' names out there, but yeah. I remember being at this uh, a family gathering, and I was talking to two of my cousins. One of my older cousins was pretty much mm-hmm. almost done with college, and the other one was kind of just getting into college. Like, he was pretty much wrapping up his first semester. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Man, cuz, listen, I got a couple questions, man. I got, to, I just got this refund check. I need a new laptop." I said, "Listen, if you need the laptop, get the laptop, but give the rest of the money back." But my other cousins came into the room and was like, "Give the money back." Man, that's his money. <laughs> it's not his money. He's like, Calvin, listen, do we go to school? We get the money. We get the refund check. That's our money. Okay. In about five years, you'll find out whose money that really is. Right. Yeah. And you're not in a position to pay it back. Right. So think about it. Yeah, 50, plus $50,000. Guys, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee originally. You could buy a decent house, like, well, at the time, you know, for fifty for fifty thousand dollars. Or at least you could buy a, a, a house and kind of fix it up. This is fifty thousand a fifty thousand dollar car is nice. Right? Yeah. Here's the worst that's a this is a, this is the next thing about a student loan, is that again, I'm and I'm not knocking student loans. It's just we gotta know what we're getting into, mm-hmm. right? And we just have to have a plan. All it is is just a plan and a strategy. Yeah. We have that in place, and then it's like, okay, let's go ahead and put ourselves in a better position. But Either way, I don't want to spend too much time on student loans, but essentially that's, man, it's, but if it, it's, but having a certain amount of student loans, let me go back to the point I was trying to make, was that whatever your student loan balance is, you need to be making that per year. If your student loan balance is at least 50000 you should be making $50,000 a year. Mm. If, you're, if your student loan balance is 100000 you should be making $100,000 a year. Really? And so that doesn't has none. And, and don't get me wrong. I get it. The job market is what it is. But I'm saying that to say, if you don't make that amount of money, for example, um, average income for if you if you're about 30 to like uh, eh, maybe about 25 to about 35 average income is about 45,000 right 40 to 45,000 mm. so um, if you're making that and it's nothing wrong with that amount but the problem is, is that some of these people have $50,000 worth of student loans yeah. $80,000 worth of student yeah. that goes into conventional mm. now your 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 money is the, the percentage is not kind of working out. They've they've had to change the uh, the home buying requirements just because the student loan balances are so high and people's incomes is not right where it needs to be. So you got so the person that didn't go to school can has an easier chance at buying a house than the person that went to college. And all they all, all they did what they did what their parents told them to do. They did what society told them what was best. And it's nothing wrong with that. But the thing is, is that it has to make sense. If it doesn't make sense, then unfortunately, it's going to affect you when you're buying a home. Yeah, they they don't tell you tell you the full story. No, that's what I always say. No, they tell you part of the story. They do, and, 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 and some and some of that story may may be facts. Yeah, it's facts. Yeah, well, they don't tell you the the the, no. the, the, the hidden messages or or the, or the consequences. They don't correct because you being in debt forever, paying student loans helps their system go around. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's it's at the end of the day, it's money. it's money, and that's how we end up where we are now. But you know, it is what it is, uh, and there are ways around it. I don't want people to feel like, oh my God, I got this amount of student loan that yeah, I can't nah. buy a house. You most definitely can. There's programs that's out there. Um, I always make the joke: uh, whoever you sleep with, maybe your co-signer. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it'd be funnier than that. But anyway, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> but I say that to say because no, sometimes if you have a certain amount of student loan balance, you may need a cosigner. Mm, so, okay. Th- and, and that was actually going to be like my next question. Yeah. Like how do student loans affect a person uh, buying a house? Yeah. So, um, short version is um, when you, uh, like I said, 
If you're ba- you want to have your income close to the total balance that's a student loans that you have. Mm-hmm. If you don't, be prepared to have a cosigner. That's that's really what that part uh, that part is. A cosigner also too. Um, they just well my lenders um, they just approved. Um, they just essentially have it where now you can have um, three people on an application. So that's huge because yeah because I, I I recently closed a deal with a husband and wife and they needed like just a tad bit more income for the house that they wanted to have and they added their mom to the deal and mm-hmm. and usually you don't hear about that like three individuals three socials three incomes on one particular application to buy a house. House, it took them from the 200 range to like over 400,000. They got the house that they wanted. Jesus, nice. That's, yeah. nice. That's nice. Yeah. And here's another thing too, guys. Just because someone's co-signed, you can always refinance, um, and so, which means that at some point they would have to qualify to, uh, they would have to qualify income-wise to handle that mortgage payment and then they can just, you know, scoop mom off the, you know, off the loan. <laughs> like yeah. kick, kick mom off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So going back, uh, now, I saw you make a video about no, this. Yeah. What, what's the difference between pre-approval and pre-qualification? Very good question. So mm-hmm. a pre-qualification. So a pre, uh, let's talk about a pre-approval because that's more common. Mm-hmm. A pre-approval is more like, hey, um, this is what you're pre-approved for. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's for 300000 And it says, hey, you're pre-approved for 300000 as long as what you put in the application can be verified. We won't start the verification process until you get under contract because that takes, we we have to pay man hours for that, right? Underwriting and they have to kind of dig through stuff and make sure everything is accurate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for us to just give you a pre-approval. You go ahead and do your thing. Here's the problem. People assume that people do their job, right? Mm-hmm. So just like, Brianna, have you ever worked, have you ever worked at a job before and there were lazy people at your job? <laughs> <laughs> Have yeah. you ever worked at a job before where people was just giving wrong information? It's same thing in the lending and in, in, in real estate, unfortunately. Some of these lenders, they'll uh they'll look at the, the check stuff. People do provide fake check stuff, believe it or not. Yeah. And then since they it's think they've rented an apartment, crazy. And so <laughs> then the lender being lazy, they won't check. And not every lender is like this. I don't want people to feel like, oh, I'm not like that. Well, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the friend. You know, y'all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> they won't check the stuff. So underwriting, now underwriting gets paid to find, not necessarily errors, they get paid to make sure stuff is accurate. Mm-hmm. So underwriting gets involved when you are essentially like either under contracting your like kind of week three, week four, that's really when they get involved. So that's where a, yeah. a, a pre-qualification comes in. So a pre-qualification is essentially um, an approval. It's where, hey, you've already gone through underwriting. We've confirmed your income. We confirmed your debts. We know everything we need to know. And here's the best thing about that. The only reason why people don't get a pre-qualification versus a pre-approval simply because they, they don't know that they can. Number one, number two, they don't ask. And so now my team, we all, we all, we start the pre-qualification right off the top. But just to keep things simple, normal, natural, I just say, hey, here's your pre-approval. But once, so week one, they fill out the application. So let's say day one, they fill out the application. They send the normal stuff for a pre-approval. Uh, for a pre-approval, the lender does a regular thing, and she says, hey. Here's your pre-approval. But while they're out looking for homes, my team, they're still in the back verifying everything, right? Mm-hmm. That way they're they're doing what most lenders do. And this is like 70% of lenders do this. 70% of lenders, they wait until you um, go around looking for houses, get under contract, and then uh, give earnest money, do your inspection, go back and forth for an inspection. And then you order the appraisal. That's like week three, week four. Mm-hmm. Now, 
underwriting gets involved. 70% of lenders do that. Yeah. But not most lenders. That I'm like, dude, it's dead time. Let's go ahead and start working on this. Though I only work with lenders that want it as bad as I do. So well, so they're, while I'm showing houses, they're back in the back end making sure that everything's good. Here's another, here's the next reason why you want a pre-qualification or essentially you just want to get the overall approval. Mm. It shortens your closing time because remember, mm. a good eh, 10 to 14 days is underwriting alone. So yeah. if underwriting can knock that out mm. early, now you can close in 30 days, right? Or less. So, you know, if, if they have title done, man, sometimes we've gotten deals done in like 20, 22 days just from someone who's mm. already pre-qualified. I don't promote that much just because there's a lot of things that have to be in place. And sometimes it may, hey, you may need to explain this. They may take a couple days. It just depends on documents and stuff like that. But that's essentially the difference between a pre-qualification and a, pre, um, a pre-qualification and a pre-approval. Pre-approval is like, hey, here you go. We just kind of did a, a quick verification. We looked at your check stubs. We looked at your bank statements. We looked at your tax returns. And everything looks good. Underwriting is really going to dig like underwriting verifies. They call your job. <laughs> they have plat. They have platforms. There's so many things that mortgages companies have. I'm sorry, that mortgage companies have that the consumers doesn't even know. There's a there's a, a system very popular called Fraud Guard. And Fraud Guard essentially, yeah. So for people, for example, people come to the 850 Club and they'll say, hey. I got these um I got these student loans. Make them go away on my credit report. I saw some on YouTube. Somebody else did the kind. I know you can do it. <laughs> Here's the thing. Fraud guard is going to see that you have student loans because who gave you the student loan? The government. Who's giving you the mortgage loan? The government. They already got access to this stuff. They're 10 steps ahead. Mm. So, but people that are just in the in the credit business, they won't tell you all that because it's going to ruin their business for one. And some people don't know. I'm I'm going to give it that. Some people honestly just don't know. Um but they do they look at stuff like that. Uh, so any here, I'm just gonna tell everyone this. Anything, anything that's like you've been taken to court for, or anything that you think you can lie about that the uh, that's on your credit report or that didn't used to be there, whatever the case may be, fraud guard is gonna pick up a lot of that stuff. Because this is the mortgage. I'm not letting you this is two hundred thousand dollars. We there. Because if we see it now, banks are it, Banks aren't so bad to a point where it's like, hey, we know that you bought that you said you was going to pay back this loan for two thousand dollars and you didn't. And your score dropped a little bit. And we're going to trust you to give you two hundred thousand. Only in America that happens. Right. So that happens at the same time. It's people. They come. People think that I had this one person. She was trying to uh, get a house. There was nothing on her credit report. And I said, you know, bad credit is better than no credit because bad credit shows that you at least qualified at some point in time. Mm-hmm. OK, and you and you got into a position where things happen. Let's just start there. Yeah, you know, but people think these banks are just uh, just difficult to work with. And it's honestly not. They make more money. Would you would you rather here if you're in a relationship and you really like this person? Would you rather be in a four to five year relationship or would you rather be in a 30 year relationship? 30, 30 years. Right. That's a mortgage. Right. This isn't a car. A car is that four or five year relationship. That's why those are easy throwaways. But to see a 30 year commitment. We got to dig deep because this is how we're going to We're most of the banks are making money from the long term loans. Mm-hmm. OK, so if the mortgage industry does bad, that's why a lot of banks end up not doing well, because they're hoping people pay their mortgages. But if you invest in businesses and you know, like Silicon Valley and things of that sort, things are going to Fair. shift. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying it's bad investments, but I mean, they obviously they've been successful for quite some time and things just happen. Things are shifting. Right. And so you got to keep up with the times, you know. So but either way, um, that's the difference. Well, those are the differences between the pre-approval and the pre-qualification. So 
quick question. That yeah. fraud guard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. So a credit repair company mm-hmm. takes off, uh, uh, you know, they take off bankruptcies and stuff, yeah. and it helps your credit report. Yeah. And your credit score, the score. essentially, mm-hmm. takes off late payment. Fire guard picks up on that too. Not the payments, but the, the pay- bankruptcy. But the bankruptcy. Yeah, does, anything okay. that's like court related, uh, government related. Those are usually things like um, child support. Um, mm. Yeah, um, but okay. mainly. But then again, every state kind of does child support a little bit different. Some keep it on the, like a really local level. Some keep it on a state level. Some, you know, so it just really depends. Some, yeah, that was a big deal um, about five years ago. Um, some states report. Um, on time or just payment history in general for child support, hmm. which I think is pretty good, especially if someone wants to build their credit. Yeah. So, um, but again, but then people started going back and forth about that. So now a lot of comp- a lot of states don't do it anymore. But yeah, at minimum, bankruptcies, student loans, stuff that's either court related usually or things that are government related is going to find it. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned earnest money earlier. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about um, what, what that is for those who don't yeah. know? And also, wh- why is it, I heard it's sometimes better to put more down than what they um, it depends on Especially the market. Especially when it's multiple offers. Yeah, yeah. So I lost. I've lost. An, I've lost a couple offers simply because a person um, said they was gonna get five thousand dollars in earnest money. And uh, so mm. and here in twenty twenty, we learned a lot. Um, in twenty twenty, the market was extremely aggressive, and interest rates were low, inventory was low, and you had mm. nothing, and people had money that they they couldn't go to the club, they couldn't fly out to Jamaica. So it was like, all right, I guess I'll buy a house. Mm. I'm tired of buying stuff on Amazon. I'm tired of standing in line at Gucci. Let me go ahead and buy a house, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but essentially. What was the question? So, uh, <laughs> what is earnest money for someone? Yeah, okay. Why is it better to put it down more? Sometimes? Gotcha. So, with earnest money, you need to put down 1% of what the purchase price is. So, for example, if the purchase price is $300,000, at minimum, the seller is going to be looking for you to come to the table with about $3,000, okay? Um, however, like you mentioned, um, if it's in a hot area, or here, I, I like to tell people this. If the house has been on the market for less than, like, 10 days, you may want to consider giving a little bit more earnest money. Um, earnest money, guys, is essentially the engagement ring. It's essentially saying, hey, seller, I promise to do everything I need to do in order to close on this house. Okay, Mm. and if I don't, you are uh, essentially you can keep this money if 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 it's not finance based or we can't come to an agreement or if the house doesn't appraise or if if we can't agree to the inspection. There are ways to to wiggle yourself out of it. But essentially, that it's just um, Mm. it's money. It's essentially the engagement. saying, I promise to do this. And it goes towards your closing costs. So it's not like it's an additional cost. It's some money now. I've seen some aggressive sellers say, hey, um, you're, uh, I know you got to bring about 15000 to closing. We want 10000 now, and we want about 3000 uh, on week four. So that we, people get real savvy, you know? So, and it's not that crazy now. Now it's like the flip side where sellers are almost like, please buy my house. Not everyone's like, not every area is like that. Some areas still hot right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's kind of a weird time because rates are, are higher than what they normally, oh, I would say normally are because the rates were higher like 15 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, interest rates were like 11%, 13, 14%. Mm-hmm. We're crying about 7% only because we know it just used to be 2.75. Yeah. And so, but if you ask your grandparents what they, pay you wouldn't believe it <laughs> so and that's just what that that's just what that is you know uh before fha even came out you used to have to put down 50 percent back like 1940s 1950s you used to, have to put down 50 percent of the house 50. that's why a lot of people were not in home ownership which is why it was one of the things that dr Martin luther king fought for not just for the african-american community but it was more so like hey people are hard-working people they just don't have that amount of money to put down but now with earnest money it just makes it obviously a lot easier but yeah if you can give them more most definitely do it um you know so but again it's not necessarily needed i would only do that for houses that are fresh on the market or less than 10 days on the market if some of the stuff that's been sitting for like more than two weeks three weeks stuff like that you don't have to do all that 
No. The one percent of the purchase price would be just fine. Like most sellers don't even care really because again, that's their money. So I mean, sorry, it's uh, they know it's your money. It goes to your closing costs. It's not a big deal. Okay. Yeah. And can we talk about like how someone can get assistance? Yeah. Um, with down payment on the home because with me when I was closing, yeah, um, they said I had like so many credits like i had yeah. like a few thousand credits i'm like what are you talking about yeah. like i didn't apply for any programs yeah is yeah, that yeah. like the assistant so check this out what i'm thinking you're at, what it sounds like your agent did for you is got you cl um seller closing cost assistance so we'll kind of go into how to reduce the amount of money that you need to go into home ownership mm -hmm. okay so number one the most popular is going to be down payment assistance um there's three types of down payment assistance one is called uh lender-based down payment assistance uh, that means that you get it from the actual lender that you're with um the second is called state-based down payment assistance that's essentially where you get money from the state mm -hmm. there's a lot of different programs that's out there one the most popular is called ida idha that's the one i was talking about where you get seventy five hundred dollars for just having a 640 score you still got to meet the dti requirements as well too the debt to income requirements the lender will take care of all that. They'll let you know. And then you have what they call area-based down payment assistance. That's where if you buy a house in a certain area or some uh, area-based down payment assistance programs have it structured to where it's certain addresses, which is so weird. And if you see a house and that address is on their list, then, of course, they'll give you an additional uh, amount. Mm -hmm. There's also another one, um, MMRP. Um, that one is available as well, too. That's like up to $10,000. That's mm -hmm. more of an area-based down payment assistance program. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's out there, but I will say this. Once your income gets to a certain point, you're not going to meet the qualification just because um, you have to be, it's only a certain amount of area median income that you can be at. Mm -hmm. So guys, if you're over 75,000, chances are you probably won't qualify for a lot of stuff out there. Um, there is some stuff, but then even if you get it, don't forget, some stuff is, hey, here's the money, you're good to go. But a lot of stuff you have to pay back. So they'll make the money on the interest rate or they'll lower your purchase price um, or they'll change the amount of money you have to have at closing or you have or there's restrictions like you can't um, sell the house within a certain period of time. You have to live in the house for a certain period of time. Um, so you have those types of things. So um, just ask a lender or a great real estate agent like myself and um, <laughs> and we most definitely get that answer for you. So then you have uh, tax credits. Um, tax credits really help if you're like looking at homes like in the suburbs or like in high profile areas, mm -hmm. um, Beverly, up north, um, you know, West Loop, you no know, stuff like that, yeah. um, you know, where taxes are because see normal city of Chicago taxes like in the West Side, South Side. Those are like, you know, anywhere between a thousand to about maybe eh, three thousand thirty five hundred. But once you start going into like near Wrigleyville, like where we are now or so or somewhere else, uh, um, taxes are a little bit higher. Yeah. So the tax credit, which is the amount you're going to get from the seller, sometimes would help out just because you're in a eight thousand dollar tax area with, uh, or five thousand dollar tax area. That helps a little bit. But what is going to help out big time that you don't have to qualify for at all, um, any house can work on this, is seller closing cost assistance. Seller close. So here's the thing. Um, I did that. I asked a seller yeah. for, no. That's what you had. thousand back. <laughs> yeah. So it's very smart. So here's the thing. Um, I always tell people this. So when you're buying a house, for every $5,000, right right now with the interest rates, with for every $5,000 that you are borrowing, you're probably paying about 40 to $50 a month. That's the difference. Okay. Mm. So the question is, Brianna, if a person... Um, if a if a seller says, "Hey Brianna, I'm gonna give you a I'm a, I got ten thousand dollars. I'm okay with losing. Are you okay with me losing this on the price? So you can go back to your friends and high five and say, "Man, I bought this three hundred thousand dollar house for two hundred ninety thousand, right? Or would you rather me give you this ten thousand dollars in closing cost credits and that's ten thousand dollars less cash you would have to bring to closing? Which one sounds better to you? Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the best one is going to be. 
um, seller closing cost assistance, in my opinion, mm. because that's less liquid cash you have to bring to closing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And um, so that's that's what's really going to help a lot of people, mm. uh, and especially right now. So I'll give you guys an example. So if a seller just dropped their price, let's say $10,000, right? You could take that price back up. Ten thousand, and then you already know the seller's going to give you because you know, they they just they just said they're okay with losing ten grand. They didn't call you and tell you. They didn't text you. They didn't tell your agent. The price change showed you. So they just lost. They just they dropped the price ten thousand dollars. You can take that price back up to ten thousand, and then you and then ask the seller for a ten thousand dollar credit. The seller is going to the math is the exact same as them leaving it at that price. And so if for example, if there's a three hundred thousand dollar house and the seller just dropped the price to two ninety. You can go back to that seller and you know, your agent would take that price up to three hundred thousand, and then take that as a ten thousand dollar seller cost, uh, seller closing cost credit. The seller's going to say yes because they just dropped the price ten thousand. It's the same math for them. The mm. net amount of money that they just lost is the exact same. But who wins in that scenario? You do because now, because see, you can get a two hundred ninety thousand dollar house for three hundred thousand and say, "Oh man, I got equity." Well, that's great, but let's can we you know let's try to save as much money as we can now don't get me wrong when you change your price point obviously um that's going to uh you're kind of you're kind of financing your down payment in a sense um but i mean again hmm. would you are you okay with your payment going up maybe a hundred dollars maybe fifty dollars depending on how much money you want to get or you could just leave it at that same price and ask the seller hey um it's really more of a mental thing see because yeah. if you don't if you don't know that the seller's okay with doing that then you won't know until you ask but i tell people i set i try to set my clients up all the time to get the most seller closing cost assistance we can especially in the market right now this is the time to do it. In 2020, they was not going to respond to you. You can kick rocks. You can have a nice mm, day because yeah. people were paying 10000 I have a client that paid $10,000 cash over the appraised value just to get a house in 2020. Yeah, that was yeah. happening a lot. That was happening a lot because yeah. it was like, what you want to do for this house? Agents were giving up commission. The, the craziness was happening. But now the market shifted. And now you get some people that even though the rates are higher than what they were a couple of years ago, that doesn't change some sellers. Some sellers have to sell their home, like for various reasons. And so they don't mind helping out a little bit. So, guys, if you guys want to sell a closing cost assistance and you need to change a real estate agent. I might know somebody. So, but no, essentially that's what you want to do is get uh, seller closing cost assistance. It's my um, recommendation. Nice. Okay. So uh, next question, uh, how hard is it to qualify for a home as like a uh, Uber or Lyft driver? Very good like question. Some ways to qualify, you know? Yeah. So um, when you are, um, I would say when you have side hustles, that's really what it is. Um, whether it's Uber Eats, DoorDash, doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. Bigger companies are going to obviously send you a tax document, which means they reported to the IRS that they have paid you out, which is an expense for them. Mm -hmm. So the IRS is waiting on you to say, hey, this is income for me. And so in order for you to do that, you're essentially considered self-employed. When you're self-employed, you have to show two years of uh, you cannot count self-employment income unless one of two things number one you file taxes on that side hustle income for at least two years mm -hmm. the second way you can do it is um the some lenders will allow you not to give tax returns but you must show 24 months of bank statements so at minimum you must have had been you must have had that that income um that self-employment income for at least two years mm. yeah and if, if you go to the no tax return route you have to put down 10 percent which some people don't want to do. So it's like for business owners that that are not, you know, 
telling everything about their taxes, essentially. So, uh, but that's really all you could do. Now, here's another thing. So, for example, if a person just started doing DoorDash like a month ago, it won't count. Yeah, uh, no. You, you got to have it at least for at least two years. Um, so, but that's essentially how it is. But I know people that's like, yeah, that, that do that stuff full time. And if I mean, if you do DoorDash during peak seasons, I mean, during peak hours and the right areas, you can make $45,000 a year just doing DoorDash. Yeah. So I've seen that type yeah, of setup. Right saying that, Yeah. So. But again, you cannot count that income unless you've uh, filed taxes on it for two years or you're willing to put down 10% and then show 24 months of bank statements. Mm. Yeah. No matter how much you've made. Okay. What do you think about buying a new construction home over a already established home? Because there's a lot of new constructions going up. Yeah. The economy is in a weird spot yeah. right now. Yeah. What do you think? Um, You know, it's really no... No right or wrong person. overpriced from my yeah opinion. Yeah, um, you know, real estate is one of those things where we never like the prices. It's it's the it's the it's one of the few things in America where you're just going to get natural inflation. Um, You know, just like uh, a a Big Mac back in 1970, it was cheaper then. It was it cost more in 1980. It cost more in 1990. It cost more in 2000. Same thing in real estate. It's going to slowly go up, right? Um, Saying that to say. Um, new construction is cool if you want to be the first owner of a property. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to not have issues. Some, I mean, anytime you're working with humans, you're going to have human error. Mm. So sometimes, you know, things get forgotten or somebody, you know, didn't do an inspection, right, or whatever the case is. New construction is nothing wrong with that. It's going to obviously look great. It's going to keep up with the times. It's modern, things of that sort. Um, but you're going to pay that price point, too, because you got, you're in that area. Um, then sometimes, too, some areas, some subdivisions don't get enough buyers within a certain time frame to meet a certain tax threshold. Mm. So then after a certain period of time, if they can't get enough people in that neighborhood, taxes go up because there's parcels of land that has to get paid for. So you have that potential situation too. But um, here's one thing. Rehabs are always going to be there because a house, when you think about it, houses last longer than some businesses, you know? So like, especially in Chicago, this buildings, you know, uh, properties has been around since the late 1800s. And, you know, there are businesses that are not around, you know, that didn't stand that test of time. But my point in saying that is, is that um, a property can get rehabbed all the time. You know, back in the seventies, shag rug was in, right? Then it was no, no well, we can go further than that. Hard, hardwood floors was in. Then they said, no, 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 put carpet down. That mm-hmm. carpet's in now. Now it's like hardwood floors are back in. You can, you know. After all those times, it's easier to renovate something. Then it's going to be cheaper, I should say. You can get something that's livable where, you know, the appliances are working, there's running water, the foundation's good, and you just got a couple weekend projects. Mm. You know, you watch, you know, HGTV or you watch YouTube, you get inspired, you go ahead and do your own thing. Versus like, you know, uh, new construction, you may not be in a financial position to afford that. So it's really dependent on what you're looking for and if you, and what you can afford. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And last question sure. for you. Where do you uh, see real estate uh, going in, in the future? The, the trend, yeah, like, is how, how is the market going to look in late 2023, 2024? Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. There are some things that are happening that are beyond uh, the, the the beyond American control. Um, mm-hmm. If there's a, I mean, we already we already saw how America was affected when the war started with Ukraine and Russia, right? Oh, yeah. Gas prices changed, uh, wheat changed, all these prices are fluctuating because the partnerships and relationships that America had, that's starting to change now. And it's happening worldwide. And now America has the infrastructure to say, hey, you know, let's work this out. But some countries don't have that infrastructure. It's like, hey, can we do X, Y, Z? No, you can't afford to be with us. So, you know, mm-hmm. but we have that infrastructure. So I'm saying that to say it's really up in the air for this year. It's up in the air. But let's go into his just history. Historically, interest rates go up, interest rates go down. That's the only thing that's guaranteed. Right now it's at like 
um, sixes. It's in the six percent range. And, um, you know, so could it go higher? Potentially. But will it come down? <laughs> Guaranteed. Mm. You know, so for all the people that's you know, thinking about buying a home this year, um, interest rates will go down. It's just it's going to happen. Is it going to happen next year? I don't know. Is it going to happen in five years? I don't know. But it's going to happen soon. But I would say, uh, you know, um, within like a five to eight year times in the time span, Mark, the market is going to fluctuate regardless of the economy because you have things like COVID that happen. You have things like the war that's happening. You have just just this random crazy stuff. And um, when the world gets nervous, that's when it's like, hold up, let me keep my money in my pocket. Yeah. Right. Facts. And so when that happens, people start spending less. When people start spending less, banks can't make as much money as they normally do. So they say, let's make these interest rates go up so we can kind of recoup. Mm -hmm. And so that's essentially how that you know, fluctuates the market. So, um, but for now, I would say interest rates will most definitely be going down in like less than five years, probably three to five years. Just depends on how this whole thing works out. You know, you got China getting involved. And the reason why I'm only talking about this is because it affects my industry. And uh, and it's so crazy that you you would think in, in today's time that people would just sit down and just pull out a scratch sheet of paper and just say, if we start a war, how will this affect us you know, economically? Mm. Right. So you would think that. So but, you know, sometimes people go get into this. Um, I don't know, just saying, you know, I, it's, it's just weird because it affects so many people. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I would say, yeah, in the next three to five years, interest rates will be going down. Prices are going to slowly keep going up. Prices do go up and down, but you're not going to lose a tremendous amount of equity. Um, you know, from 20, 2020 really gave people an additional, at minimum, most areas saw on average $50,000 worth of equity. Properties in Inglewood. You give me the worst areas in Chicago. Mm. They saw it because it's just, if one house, if one house sells within a quarter mile, that's more than XYZ, it's going to affect all the all the properties in the area. That's just normal, natural inflation in real estate. Mm. Um, we talked about investments earlier as well, too. Real estate is a great invest, uh, a great thing to invest in, um, simply because people are going to always need somewhere to stay. No matter what you think about real estate, you either stay with your friends, you stay with your family, you stay by yourself. You got a cash app relationship. I don't know what you know. Whatever the situation yeah. is, people are going to they have to stay somewhere. And you say, well, I don't want to buy a house. I want to keep renting. Cool. You have to pay somebody. Yeah. And so it's and that's when you look at it from that perspective, you say, okay, this is a potential you know great um, investment. Not only that, Chicago is one of the uh, Chicago's one of the few places now in with this. You look at New York where it, you can't buy a property in New York and then get enough rent to even get close to the mortgage you have on that property. Even in the worst neighborhoods of New York, mm. I'll go further on. You can go to California and say, I'm going to buy a house in the worst neighborhood in California. That that mortgage payment, that rent, what you can get for the rent in that area is not going to cover the cost of that. So, Chicago's one of the few. This is why that uh, everyone was running to Texas recently. Like everyone's going to because it's cheaper, but you get that population. When you get population, you get rising costs. But you get you get more of the cost of living than you do actual property values. So now it's a that's a very good space. But you can have that in Chicago too. In Chicago, rents have gone up. You can get a two bedroom mm -hmm. in a decent neighborhood for what like. 1300 14 1500 1500 you can cover a mortgage with that. Yeah. So a lot of people are still doing house hacking. My wife and I, we bought our first property in 2013. We was 24 years old at the time. And um, the property was 130000 The mortgage was, let's just say, keep math easy, it's about 1000 I was We charged our tenants $1,000 a month for rent. So we were breaking even. So then we started saving our money. We blew a lot of it, but we ended up saving our money. And then we ended up buying the second property. And then we ended up um, renting out the second unit. Now that money goes to you know, that property or vacations or student loans or whatever mm -hmm. you want to do with. So that's still possible. And and, one, and again, Chicago is one of the few areas you can do that. Now, don't 
don't get me wrong. Obviously, you can't do that in every area. Like up north, the the, the numbers may not work out the same, you know. But again, there are a lot of people. Chicago's one of the uh, Chicago has some of the most international property owners in the world because they own the property. They get a property management company. They load it up with Section 8 or they load it up with tenants in general. Mm -hmm. And then they just collect that money. And then people think like, oh, I don't want to be a landlord. These people, they don't like being landlords either. That's why they have property managers. And it's easy, guaranteed money. Guaranteed. Because the property managers say, okay, all right, we got to evict them. Okay, that may take a month or so. And they kick them out and get somebody else in. Most people are good people. That's why most people are good people. At least 80%. And so most people are going to pay their rent, whether they're late or not. You know, so, and that's that's going to happen. But that's essentially where I see where the market is. It's just a matter of where people want to jump in with that. Mm. Well, thank you, yeah. Kevin. You dropped a lot of bombs yeah. today. A lot of good <laughs> knowledge. Uh, I'm definitely going. You know, you know, we definitely, hopefully, can collab on some things. Yeah. Go, go live on on our social. Oh, yeah. too easy. Yeah, and just <laughs> yeah, too easy, and just go over more things. Sure. You know, because we can, we can, we can go for hours. Oh yeah. Yeah, you no. Know. I talk about this stuff all the time. You know, so <laughs> I have appointments after this, and sure. uh, but I mean, I talk about this stuff all the time, and it's really just letting people know what their options are and explaining it in a kindergarten level, where it's like, oh man, it does make sense like yeah, yeah. I, I got a guy pre-approved a couple days ago and he's paying rent and um i said you do know you can because he was asking he was like man i think i want to move want to get another apartment i said you know you can buy a property down the street and if maybe 150 dollars more per month and you can own that property he says dude there's no way i can do that got him pre-approved mm. so it, it's easier than people think they just have to here, here's the thing guys you have to tell the right people your goals that's it yeah, emphasis on the right people. Yeah. Goes. <laughs> so what can people find you on social media? Sure. Um, you can search me on Facebook. That's my favorite platform. I'm there. Um, just search Calvin Russell. My profile's open. Um, IG. It's so crazy because I just I just created an uh, Instagram account. Um, because I you know I spend most of my time on Facebook and YouTube. Um, so YouTube we just changed our name. Um, so you guys can find us there at the eighty twenty podcast. And um, so we're there, still giving credit information. Um, and all sorts of good stuff. Um, on there as well too. So eighty twenty podcast on YouTube. Calvin Russell on um on Facebook. Um. I just created a TikTok, but honestly, guys, it's the same content. It's nothing special. On on, on, on TikTok and IG, it is going to be a complete copy of what is on my Facebook. So if you guys are not on Facebook and you say, I just want to see what Calvin's posting, you can go over there. It's going to be a straight copy because I'm not managing all this stuff. I post and leave. So, But if you guys want the real deal, I'm on Facebook. Okay, yeah. for sure, for sure. And, and, and I'll definitely drop your handles yeah. on social when I post the episode and everything. Awesome. Preview stuff. Uh, thank you for thank coming. You. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, people.